0: Just, wow, okay, it takes me to another place. <laughs> All right, so good morning. Good morning. Buenos, dias. Buenos dias. If you're here for uh, Navalan Church for the very first time, um, welcome, welcome, and as we say in the Spanish congregation, this is the perfect church for those who are not. So I fit right in. Thank God for that. Amen. So uh, my name is William. And I have the awesome uh, privilege and honor to serve God as the Spanish, uh, Spanish pastor, congregation, or the Spanish congregation pastor, and also as the youth ministry team leader. And what an adventure that has been! <laughs> uh, definitely blessed. Uh, somebody, uh, I asked somebody uh, coming in today, and, and I asked him, "How are you today?" And she responded, "Blessed." And I'm like, "Man, I feel the power in that." Yes, I'm too blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Amen. Amen. So today, we are going to continue our study, uh, time study in the book of Acts. And we're going to pick up right off where Pastor Don left last week with Paul having left Berea and Thessalonica. I yes, love saying that, Thessalonica. And now arriving in Athens. And we will invest our time in the, in, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, and we're going to go from 16 to 34. But before I start, um, I want to share that this is one of the most coveted, if I can say that, uh, wanted narrations in Paul's life to teach from. Uh, many pastors love to preach from these passages, and personally, I find them very encouraging in my calling. Um, allow me to share that I had an Acts seventeen thirty four moment this uh, past week, and now I'm going to discuss that in a little bit later. But first, let's start with in. Um, In God's order, and that's with prayer. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we love you, but we want to know to to love you more. We know you, or we know of you, but we want to know you more. We ask that this time that we have right now, that our spiritual eyes are open, that our heart is open, so that we may be able to receive the word and also meditate on it, and we ask that you also give us the courage to share it. And we ask this in the most precious name, the name that is above all name, and all uh, God's people say, amen. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles or turn them on. And we're going to go to the book of uh, Acts chapter 17. I'm going to start reading for verse 16. Uh, but before we start reading, I want you um, to look at the history of these writings. Here we find the Apostle Paul, fresh off his travels of Berea and now he enters one of the most influential cities in the current world, a highly populated metropolitan city where businesses, philosophies, and religions were plenty. Along along with that also came rituals of paganism, where physical pleasures were accepted as the norm, and polytheism, many gods. Many gods were very very common, very common theme in in those days. So we read in uh, verse 16, Verse 16, it says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He was greatly distressed because the city was full of idols. And as um, Pastor Don and the rest of the pastor, Pastor Jim, have mentioned, that an idol is anything that takes your focus away from God. Whether it be money, whether it be a, a person, whether it be a status. If you idolize that, if it takes away from your focusing your attention on God, it is considered an idol. And there were many temples, many temples with many images that have been constructed to worship beauty, strength, war. And later on in verse 23, we see that there were many objects of worship, and he points out one in particular, and you find it in verse 23, which says, to the unknown God. To the unknown God, and we're going to discuss that in a little bit. So here we we find Paul and he was walking through Athens and he sees these majestic buildings. Some ruins to this day still stand of great structures, temples to various images of gods with a lowercase g-o-d and goddesses. And although this description is for Athens at that time, it is still very true to this day. See, imagine this if you will. If you not have caught on, I am from New York. The land of Nathan Hot Dogs, Canisius, lot of theaters, Subway series. And if you don't like it, forget about it. So walking down the famous Times Square, 42nd Street, you know, when the the ball comes down every New Year's and we start partying. Many theaters, you see this jumbotron. Every man's dream of a TV. Ladies, five more months for Christmas. Just saying. Usually showing video highlights of sports athletes, singers, and movie stars. Celebrities that are admired and, dare I say, idolized. On your left, a ginormous billboard displaying an underwear ad. And I don't care whether it's pink or it's black and white. They say that if you buy that particular underwear, you're going to look as good as the, as the model that's there. Selling us, selling us that idea that you're going to be attractive as the model. See, they're trying to sell us on the importance of image. The importance of image. Image is their idol. When we should all remember that we are made in his image, and therefore we are wonderfully made and already attractive. Can I get an Amen. My wife is the only one finding me attractive. Well, yeah, go for that. Amen to that. On the right hand, another billboard displaying an expensive watch. Church family, a $5,000 watch is going to give you the same time that a $70 watch. I'm just saying. Just saying. But if you own this watch, you will be prestigious, like the celebrity that's uh, modeling the watch. See, image of time and prestige are idolized, when we should remember that it's God's time that should be idolized because it is perfect. He is never late. He is never early. He is right on time. He is never four days late. God's time is perfect. Can I get an amen? And we can go on and on with great numbers of representation of idols. But coming back to Athens, a great number of idols, Paul sees the necessity of sharing the truth of the gospel to those there. The Bible says that they were Jews, God-fearing Greeks or Gentiles, and others. Now, in the group of others, there's two particular groups that the scriptures mention. The Epicurean, they were were followers of Epicurus, a philosopher who lived hundreds of years before Christ. And their belief was the pursuit of of a state of self-happiness which they call pleasure, which was their ultimate goal. If it felt good, if it looked good, they did it. See, they oppose superstitions and divine intervention. In other words, they justify everything they did that made them feel good, because life is a party. YOLO. You only live once, so they live with that. And then the other group was the Stoics, founded by Zeno, also, 100 years before Christ, they were considered thinkers, love to reason, meaning to discuss and overanalyze things. They were considered cynical, and perhaps why Luke states back in, uh, uh, in verse 17 that he had to, Paul had to uh, reason with them in the synagogues. See, the Stoics were considered, uh, they considered the pursuit of pleasure not to be the goal, and lived to maintain harmony with nature and avoid all destructive emotions. In other words, they were very analytical, logical. And for you Trekkies out there, Spock, live long and prosper. They were know-it-alls. They knew everything and supported their ideology of nature is my religion and the earth is my temple. They avoided emotions and both had their strong opinions and strong influence in the times of Athens at that particular era. These ideologies should sound a bit familiar to all of us, even in the times that we live now. See, they're not much different with popular social media and many talk shows hosts that try to persuade us with their point of view. Everyone has their opinions. My father says that the opinions are like the belly button. Everybody has one. Everybody has them, and more often than never, we are bombarded with them on a daily basis. Each believing that is the truth. When the Bible teaches us that there's only one who is the truth, there's only one who is the way to life. Amen? So here comes Paul to discuss or reason these worldly ideologies and their way of thinking and acting. In verse 18, we read. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them ask him, "What is this blabber that he's trying to say?" Blabber. Blabber is a word that was describe someone that they um, will pick up random pieces of knowledge, of useless information, and passes them, passes himself as a know-it-all. And we continue in verse nineteen, reading. They, they took him and brought him to a meeting of the, and I hope I pronounced this right, arapagus Arep- Arapagus? it's all Greek to me anyway, <clears throat> which is Mars Hill or the Hill of Ares. And this is a place, it's a place of gathering where for these philosophers to discuss and reason their ideas. It's funny how Luke, Luke the writer, writes in verse 21, that all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spend their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the greatest ideas. Everybody has an opinion. And they will run to go ahead and post it somewhere so everybody can read it for everyone to see. I wonder if you didn't agree with them, will they unfriend you? Hmm. This was not a trial. They brought Paul to, to the Arepagus. They, it was not a trial. They just wanted to, uh, to, uh, for, to have him in front of all these uh, philosophers to discuss his ideas. And if anything, if they were not in disagreement, just showing them in public. And then Paul begins to give one of his most impactful speeches in his ministry, understanding very well who he is speaking to. He shares his third speech on the book of Acts, starting in verse 22. And I love the way he just, it just speaks of authority. It says, Paul stood, then stood up in the meeting of the Arepagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. See, I love this disclosure of their self-proclaimed truth. Calls them religious, which means one of two things. Either religious, as in devout believers, which can be positive if you are committed in learning and serving, or religious in a negative way, which means that you live your life following a list of do's and don'ts, a list of do's and don'ts in order to earn grace or please a God, lowercase g o d. See, most likely, I believe it's the latter since they even had a temple erected to an unknown God. They had a temple erected to an unknown God. See, they were searching for something. They were in the constant search, maybe for knowledge, maybe for um, uh, understanding, but they were searching for a new God to add to their collection, perhaps to make them whole as a people, when we know and understand that God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough. So Paul boldly calls them out. I love this, he, he confronts them, he boldly calls them out uh, using their own beliefs. And we read that in verse 24 to 25, when he says "The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. So right there, whether whatever, if you were stoic, Epicurean, or just hanging out, if you live in the world which has been created by God, you have, therefore, also been created by God. So right there, it includes everybody. Doesn't matter what kind of affiliation you may have. And he says God does not, believe, does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as, he is, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Mm. That pretty much says, you know what? If you're listening to this, that includes you. If you're right now living and breathing, that includes you. And I'm going to do a real quick survey. Who's living right now? Who's breathing right now? Who's awake right now? (laughs) Awesome. Two hands. All right, I saw an elbow go like this, but that's okay. We're going to talk about that later. See, Paul's God... It's not anything like their gods that they have there. And he goes out to describing even further because, once again, these people love to overanalyze. They love to think. They love to, to know everything there is about everything. So verse 26 and 27, he continues saying, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that he, they will seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. God gave them life. God gave us life. He gives us the, the number of our days, the length of our life, and how far men will go. See, he, Paul understood who he was talking to. And he wanted to make sure he had not only their attention, but also that this is the one true God, that every philosophy that you may have here, every traditional belief that you may have, that you have uh, been taught or carry with you, it's only about God. It's only about God. God is the one who created heaven and earth. And then he keeps going. And in verse 28, he mentions a, a poet, a stoic poet, that wrote uh, a poem that is called, We Are His Offspring. We are his offspring. And that's very important because it shows that there's a relationship between God and his offspring, that there should be a relationship between, between this amazing God and us. If you're living, if you're breathing, there has to be a relationship. And by citing that poet. He holds their attention to his audience and goes a step further. This is where I start preaching. He shares a truth that he still holds on to this day. The, the current separation of man from God and that the only way to be restored with God is through Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that because some of you looking at me like I have, what did he just say? I'll say it in Spanish. No. The current separation of man from God and the only way to be restored with God is through Jesus Christ. See, that truth was very much so then as it is now. The times may change. The cities may change. But God does not change. He is constant. He is the same God yesterday, today, and will be so forever. Amen. They, we need to focus our eyes on Jesus and not on false idols, much less those who are manly made. Some could be statues, some could be people. What do you say, Pastor? People? Yes. Movie stars, singers, celebrities. Sometimes we even idolize our spouses or our kids. Think about that. Ooh, that sounds very painful. That sounds very harsh. But it is the truth. Our order should be God first, family second, business third. And if we're living out of sequence, we're living out of order, we may be in trouble. Other idols, material things, money, possessions, fame, socioeconomic status. How many likes in one picture? See, it's a very truth in that day, just as it is today. And he reminds us that in verse 27, that God, capital G-O-D, is not far from us. He is not far from any of us here. I love when in in Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. The Lord is near to all who call him. Paul goes even further, and this time with a sense of urgency. Join me in verse 29 to 31. It says right there, right here it's going to describe the sense of urgency, because therefore, since we are God's offsprings, we already established that, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design or skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now, now he commands all people everywhere repent all people everywhere to repent and here's the time frame why for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the men he has appointed he has given proof of this that day that very same day we read about in Daniel chapter 7 that same day Jesus spoke about Jesus himself spoke about in Matthew 25 and it's also written all over the book of Revelations, describing that day. The day is coming. My question is, are we prepared for that day? Are we prepared for that day? Every day as it goes on, it's getting closer. Now, I don't wanna scare you, but I do want to impose a sense of urgency that this is the word, this is the truth. And as we already have established, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So Paul continues and talks about resurrection. And these words cause the audience to sneer. He says, some of these people, um, let me see. When they heard about, uh, verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. They began to sneer. Why? Because some of them rejected this idea. There's no way that he can resurrect from the dead. We reject that idea. Some heard it and thought maybe "Mm, there might be something there, but without commitment. And we see that in those words, it says, we want to hear you again on this subject. As though they're saying, nice speech, Paul. Thank you. Very uplifting. Uh, Good idea. But I don't have the time to commit to that idea. I don't have the time to congregate. I don't have the time to join a life group. Serve? Mm, Maybe one day when I have more time. Support my local church financially? Well, you know, there's this new thing that I want to buy that will make me look and feel good. Many people are living with this kind of ideology or this kind of belief church family the people of athens were not willing to let go of their religion or their religiosity not willing to let go of their idols waiting for their next new and improved ideology their unknown god so i asked myself and i and i challenge you to ask yourself this question what is preventing us or me to get committed to follow jesus I'm talking about fully committed. I'm not talking about two hours on a Sunday in one day. I am talking to committed to his word, to read it, learn it, apply it, teach it, share it. So here's a moment that, that earlier I wanted to share with you, my Acts 17, 34 moment. See, we pastors pray for the church to grow. We do. All pastors do. But here in Avalon Church, growth is not necessarily about numbers in the seats. We don't want numbers in the seats. What we focus is about the number of people studying the word, the number of people applying the word to their daily lives, the number of people sharing the word with others. See, church family, that is real growth. That is spiritual growth. Growth in faith. Just like James wrote in, in in chapter 122 when he says, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And you need to write that down. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So early this week, is my moment. Early this week, my wife and I, we send text to people. Some people in church, some people we haven't seen in a while, some people who are not going to a church, if somehow we have your number and we have had some kind of a communication, we, we send, you know, um, what they call vibes, thoughts, but in truth. Some of you laugh and like, oh, yeah, send me vibes, positive vibes. I like to vibrate the word into you. And some people respond, amen, amen. My favorite is the emoji with the praying hands. Right? Some of you have seen it. Folks, let's not deceive ourselves. If we write an emoji with praying hands, not necessarily means that you're praying. Let's not deceive ourselves. Even the word amen, it's great when it's follow a prayer, not just saying, yep, amen, amen to that, amen to that. Had a great lunch. Amen to that, brother. You had lunch. We need to be more conscious of how we use that word and that instant of prayer. So we're receiving all these series of amens and amens, and we'll be getting a little discouraged and saying, are they're really learning, you know, listening to this. this. This was a great thought. This was a great devotion. One person responded. One. I can't remember how many there were, maybe over 20, I think, right? Yes? My wife will not let me lie. Only one person responded and said, thank you for that word. I needed to hear that today. I really needed to hear that this is what's happening in my life, and I just, I needed some encouraging words. Has anybody have, ever had a moment like that? Whether you're the one who needs the encouraging words, or you're the one who gave the words not knowing, right? And somebody responds to that. See, in verse 34, see, some of these people became followers of Paul and believe among, he goes, among them was Dionysus, a member of the Heropagus or Areopagus, Hills. A woman named Demaris. Now, Luke must have found something important to name this, this lady. I'm think, we're thinking that it's a, a woman of a prominent position, that he has to name her by, by name. And it says a number of others, plural, others. That leads me to believe that it's more than just one, two, let's say. So we have Dionysius, Dionysius, Demaris, and others, two, four, So if we were to do the math, four people out of that speech that became followers of Christ because of that one speech, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Right now in this room, we have about 300, 350 people. If just one of you, just one of you that maybe doesn't know Christ comes to know Christ today, mission accomplished. If one of you who's feeling... Dissolution, who's feeling tired, who's feeling maybe sick, who's feeling, thinking, you know what, I'm serving and serving, but what does this mean? Does, does, what am I doing here? Can get recommitted to serving, can get recommitted to keep on praying for maybe for that particular uh, uh, item, for that, maybe a that particular person. Then mission accomplished. And if one, one person, Paul had Four. That is very encouraging to me because the Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the, uh, 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 more than half of the Bible, can only get four people, and if I can get one, I'm doing pretty good. 25%, I can do the math. But see, this is very encouraging. Very encouraging. See, some of us, some of you have been praying and are praying for your audience to hear the truth. Some of you have been praying for years for your husband, for your wife, for our children, your neighbor. Maybe you're praying for your co-workers. You have been praying for them to come to know Jesus, to come to know the truth. And as I say, some of those prayers for years and years. I was talking to a lady that she said, I've been praying over 40 years for this man. And I'm like, let me pray for you prayer warrior. And she keeps on going. She keeps on going. And you know what? I believe that he's going to come. The husband is going to come to serve Christ. I believe that with all my heart. And you know why? Because Matthew 18 and 19 says, again, this is Jesus speaking. Matthew 18, verse 19 says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about everything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That is why it's important, church family, to congregate. Do we want to see each other? Yes. Do we want to hug each other? Yes, we do. We want to say hi, maybe catch up. We haven't seen you since last Sunday. Awesome. But you know what? If we had given the opportunity to pray with you and over you, if you have two or three, we just read it. You come in agreement, God is going to hear your prayer. And the the Bible does say that if God hears our prayers, we can walk in confidence that he's going to respond to them. Can I get an amen for that? This is encouraging. This is very encouraging to the pastors. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to the men here, the leaders of the house, that, that uh, the, the words in, in the royal priesthood, thank you. I, I was thinking in Spanish, real sacerdocio. That's what I was saying. Royal priesthood. men. it's time for us to, to become that leader that God has called us out to be. We need to lead our families. We need to lead our wives. We need to lead, eh? not leave. Some of you, are like, <laughs> I saw those smiles. I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah, wipe that smile off your face, buddy. <laughs> we need to lead your wife. We need to lead your children to Jesus. We cannot wait for that day. We cannot hope that in school, maybe they'll teach them that because we know that the schools are not teaching that. Definitely not society. Because why? We live almost in the same society, if not worse, that Paul saw and walked through in Athens at that time. We have many opportunities to pray, and I'm going to finish with this. We have many opportunities to pray. Do we do it daily? Yes, we're supposed to do it daily. Even five minutes is good. And you're going to find... You're going to find that if you do it for five minutes, you're going to like it so much that you're going to do it for 10. Next thing you know, you're praying for two hours, and you're like, oh, my goodness, when did this happen? That's because you started to enjoy the conversation with God, because that's what prayer is. It's a, it's a conversation with the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, as Paul pointed it out. I don't know how to pray. Awesome. Come to church. We can guide you will teach you how to pray. Ryan leads the prayer team. They communicate every week. Once a a month, at least once a month, they get together and start praying for each and every single one of us. If you're here for the first time, guess what? You are an answer prayer. We have prayed for you to be here today. That sounds almost unbelievable. That is the God that we serve. He does the unbelievable believable. He does the impossible possible. The Spanish congregation, man, those prayer warriors. Every Thursday here from 9.30 to 11.30 in one of the rooms in the back, we'll get together and we start praying and praying. We're praying for you. You don't even know it. We pray for you in Spanish. Look at that. Two languages. We'll cover both sides. Every Thursday morning at 7 a.m., the pastors and the elders meet here and they start with praying. This service has been prayed for. The seat that you're sitting on was be prayed for. Yeah, so you're like, oh, this feels comfortable. Haha. <laughs> guess what? God meant it for that to be for you today. He wants you to come to prayer. He wants you to come in conversation with him. Perhaps you're here today as part of somebody's audience, somebody who has been praying for you, whether it was today, whether it was for a while ago, you have been prayed for. And if you're here for the first time and you wanna know more about this Jesus, this amazing God who created heaven and earth, today is the day that you need to make that commitment And to raise that question, in a couple of moments, we're going to have the prayer team, members of the prayer team and elders come up. Please don't let fear what what the the person next to me is going to say or do. They need prayer as well. You can come up and say, you know, I, I have this situation. I need prayer. A lot of times you don't even have to disclose that, what the situation is. God knows it. We just pray. Pray whatever it is that is giving you conviction to come forward. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask everybody where they're sitting just to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't look at me. know, this is not a time to sleep.ing This is the time for going to intentional to God. Close your eyes. And follow me prayer with this. You don't have to repeat it, but you guys follow me. Heavenly Father, we love you, but we want to love you more. We recognize today that everything has been created by you. If I have anything, it's because you have given it to me. My family, my wife, my kids, my husband, my job, my church family. And I ask you today that whatever my idol may be, to please take it away from me. Empty me, empty out of me myself and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stay with your eyes closed. Stay with your eyes closed. If you did that prayer for the first time, right where you are, just raise your hand. God bless you. 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 Now, if you did that prayer once again with the purpose of knowing where you are and knowing where you need to, where where God wants you to be, right where you are, without opening your eyes, just raise your hand. God God bless you. 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 God bless you.